Welcome to The Paul List, a daily comics analysis podcast. This is 2ply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I or email at 2ply at gmail.com. This is a daily comics analysis podcast where I pick a comic every day and I talk about it from a a, uh, a literary and an aesthetic and artistic and uh, social and cultural point of view. And um, I'm a a comics um, critic, I guess. Uh, I'm an academic, I'm a literacy researcher, I'm a fan, um, and I'm excited to talk to you about comics. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, this is a day late of an episode. Uh, Usually on Fridays, I release the Friday Find where I talk about uh, a, a comic from the world of alternative comics or small press comics or um, things of that nature. But um, today we're going to talk about something from Dark Horse. We tend to try to cover Dark Horse books on our Tuesday trade paperback. But since um, since this week we've been focusing on the works of Jeff Lemire, uh, writer, artist, uh, creator extraordinaire, we um, we decided that this Friday, I keep saying we as if there's more than one person here. <laughs> it's pretty much a... Uh, one-man show here, but um, we've been focusing on Jeff Lemire. Uh, we talked about Essex County. We talked about um, uh, uh, Old Man Logan on Monday, on the Monday Marvel. Um, we talked about um, uh, <laughs> blanking on the other works that we've been talking about. There are many Jeff Lemire books these days, and that is a that is a good thing. Um, but today we're going to talk about Black Hammer number one, which was released this last Wednesday from Dark Horse and is a new series that um, Jeff Lemire is writing and Dean Ormston is providing art on. And, uh, and the colors are by Dave Stewart. Um, Black Hammer number one uh, was solicited a, few, a number of months back, actually. And I think some um, maybe some health issues with Mr. Ormston um, it caused a little bit of a delay. I think it was well worth the wait. I'm really excited about this book. It's the first issue, and so there's a lot of things that, um, you know, they've cracked open the mystery but haven't really un- revealed where they're going quite yet. And I think what I'm going to do in this episode is sort of pose the questions that I think the issue is presenting to us and, uh, and you know, leave unanswered those things which are unanswered, but I think which are um, interesting, intriguing to some, uh, in, in some way. Um, before I do, I just want to, um, uh, say hello to Hector who's, uh, reached out to me via Twitter and, um, asked about if, uh, if I had read Black Hammer and, uh, Hector, thanks for reaching out and, you know, for folks out there who are listening. Um, I do love, um, I love to hear from you. I appreciate kind of knowing that you are out there and that this is, uh, at least providing some sort of, uh, entertainment, even if uh, all it does is make you, uh, you know, <laughs> frustrated in disagreement, uh, or maybe you know you're actually finding something resonant in what I'm doing here. Um, so thank you, uh, and uh, I do encourage you always to to give me some feedback and let me know. Apologies also for the sound quality, and I may have to upload this without the uh, usual theme track, the song at the beginning and end here, because I'm on the road, uh, which explains why this is late. Um, I'm taking care of my my mom uh, who's ill so um, anyway this does provide the kind of relief and the kind of uh, rest for me that uh, that it's you know it's a it's a happy thing for me to do so thank you for joining me all right to black hammer uh, black hammer number one so the broad outlines of it and I'll, I'll summarize it give some comment and then I'll talk spoilers after that so if you haven't read it yet that's okay um, I'll tell you at po- what point to stop if you don't want it want things to be given away but the basic premise is that 
um, there's a there's a group of golden age heroes. Uh, there's a the sort of leaderish character in the vein of your. Uh, your your Superman, uh, or if you're talking about you know Squadron Supreme, your your Hyperion. Uh, if you're talking about um, uh, the Incredibles, this is your Mister Incredible. You know this is your your maybe your Reed Richards. Uh, or if you're um, thinking in terms of um, uh, Astro City, for instance, this is your your Samaritan. Uh, his name is Abraham Slam, and he narrates the beginning of the comic. And so what we hear from him is that. Uh, even though he's the leader of this superhero team that includes Colonel Weird, who's the the sort of, um, as they call him, interstellar adventurer, and then there's a robot sidekick, Taki Waki, and then there's a, the, 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 the Martian character, Barbalian, and then uh, Golden Gale, the America's super sweetheart. You can kind of hear the resonances of these Golden Age heroes. Um, that they were once this team of obviously very public superhero figures, but that for the last 10 years, they've been sort of hidden away on a farm in a small town. And we don't know why yet. And I think that remains the mystery. And I think here is the, really the premise is you have this group of super eight, uh, golden age superheroes who are hidden away in a town. And uh, the, the reason why is unclear. What is clear is that there was some sort of cataclysmic event in their past that uh, involves the self-sacrifice of one member of their team, and that member of the team is is uh, is Black Hammer, um, and that's the, the the title obviously of the book. So that's the general premise. And in the first uh, issue, you kind of see um, Abraham Slam as sort of a you know he's he's in a flannel shirt. He's sort of a farmer-looking person, and you know he's living in this. Um, kind of isolated farmhouse with um, <laughs> you see the uh, the robot cooking the breakfast bacon and the uh, sort of trans-dimensional scientists you know floating through the kitchen counter and uh, you know your alien is sitting there reading the paper at the at the kitchen table and it just is this contrast of the domesticity of this hidden away life and you know these heroes who are used to a, a kind of, you know, um, sort of cosmic significance, uh, a, a planetary significance. And so um, I, I think it's really interesting to see Lemire doing a take on um, the the idea of the Golden Age superheroes. This is something that has got, gone back almost as long as superheroes themselves. You know, in the Golden Age, you had this proliferation from, from um, obviously DC and then uh, Timely and Fawcett and Dell and you name it, these publishers all came out with their lines of superheroes, you know, oftentimes near replicas of one another. Um, I, I always think it's funny to think about how Captain Marvel, which originally published by Fawcett, created by C.C. Beck and others, you know, was sued by DC and then became a DC character because of all of the superhero, an sorry, all of the Superman analogs of all the publishing companies. It seemed to me that Captain Marvel was actually the most different from the original Superman, and yet he's the one um, character that was sued and and sort of co-opted. Not the one, actually, there were many, um, Blue Beetle and others, uh, but but now owned by DC um, under that umbrella. But anyway, this whole resurrection of the D of the um, golden age superhero thing is is something that you know happens pretty much immediately upon the um the dusk of the uh the gold the golden age era um i think a good um long-term model of that is how the jsa has been resurrected in various forms the justice society and how that team of golden age heroes you know finds its way into this universe that 
at one point, you know, the, the, the 50s DC universe has to move on from the Golden Age version of these heroes and to create new versions of the Flash and of Green Lantern and so on. And yet the, the, the memory of those characters of the past certainly exists. And that memory is irresistible as something to go back to and to resurrect for this purpose of this, um, this, this you know, uh, retroactive history or this revisionary history or um, as, as Jeff Glock calls, uh, calls it in the, in the How to Read Superheroes and Why, he talks about this as a misremembering, a sort of recreation of the past with a new gloss on it that brings a contemporary reading of a, a, a past legacy. And, um, you know, I think a, um, a modern example of that, it would be The Dark Knight Returns and how you know the the history of batman past according to glock you know becomes misremembered and integrated into a, a modern sort of deconstructionist uh uh you know uh, postmodern um sort of you know cynical <laughs> very real realism based um account of all of these you know past instances of the batman mythos and so Anytime you, you say, oh, here's the Golden Age heroes and what has happened to them, you sort of call forth this, this question. What are you going to say about the Golden Age? You know, the Golden Age, which for many people was some kind of, um, again, myth- mythology of, you know, the origins of the virtues of, of superheroes, of, the, the, of nostalgia for a, a previous time. And was that time a time when the values that we once treasured, uh, you know, actually existed or have we you know, have we sort of um, enshrined that all in, in our fanciful memory? Um, is it actually hypocrisy? You know, is it actually a, a bunch of, uh, you know, sort of selling ourselves an idealized New Deal, um, you know, America uh, of, uh, of bygone times that, in fact, never really existed? Um, you know, I think there's... So, so I guess one of the things I think about with with someone like Lemire writing uh, this is that, again, this is well-trod territory, but I do think that every time you revisit this idea of Golden Age heroes and what's become of them, you bring up the question of what is your view of the history of the originary time period of these superheroes. And every time you bring it back up and retell the story, you are, you know, overlaying it uh, with a, a certain... A reading a certain gloss of that history that is through your contemporary lenses and so you know when you look at the deconstruction of the 80s you look at like I said Dark Knight Returns you look at the Watchmen you look at even Squadron Supreme there is a certain postmodern um, I I see this history I will create some distance from this history by being able to call out the um, uh, you know where the glories are 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 masks or lies and where there must be some human truth underneath and and um you know to to deconstruct the binaries upon which you know all of that mythology was built binaries about masculinity or binaries about nationalism or binaries about you know whatever and um and that deconstruction is powerful in its time but i always think about the fact that you know somebody like lemire who i i'm guessing is probably five or ten years i think older than me but probably had a similar experience where where i grew up 
um, as a kid going to the library and simultaneously reading stuff like Dark Knight Returns and The Watchmen and myself being exposed to, you know, Golden Age comics. So, you know, I'd go and read these big collections of the greatest Batman stories ever told at the same time that I'm reading The Dark Knight Returns. And so when, when you're when you grow up that way, when you read the original construct at the same time that you read it being deconstructed, I think it allows you to, or, at, or it compels you to, um, to be able to hold both perspectives at once. To be able to, on one hand, be cynical and um, and and sort of um, cognizant of the, um, you know, of the of the error and the problem. And simultaneously to be entranced and enchanted by the original uh, impulse, and in fact, to to live that kind of chronology simultaneously means an experience where um, you 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 have the ability to honor what is, you know, the original attraction, the original impulse. Again, the charm of of a 1940s superhero and the, the strange charm the over narrated captions and the the simplistic art that is very just iconic and sometimes awkward but sometimes some captures some reptilian part of your imagination and at the same time to have read and been immersed in the sophistication of questioning all of those things when you grow up with that all at once what comes out of you creatively right is um is already has already come to terms with both sides of that and i feel like works like black hammer um and i i would even go so far as to say a lot of grant morrison's stuff um i'd say some of jeff johns's uh work with resurrecting golden age and and rebirthing superheroes um both enchanted and disenchanted at the same time uh, and I think I see a bit of that here in Black Hammer. At the outset, uh, Ab- Abraham Slam or whatever is is talking about how much this quiet life in the farm is what he's always wanted, actually. D- despite, you know, the great power and responsibility that's come to him as a superhero, what he's wanted most is the quietness of, um, of being in the country. And, uh, and yet he's there with Gale, who uh, we don't know much about what Golden Gale was as a Golden Age hero, but what she is now apparently is stuck in the body of a nine-year-old or an 11-year-old who smokes and curses and, uh, you know, and is, is bitter <laughs> that she's stuck here. She's meant to be so much more, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and then you see them commiserating, Gale and uh, Barbalian, and, you know, here we are. We're meant to be so much more, and yet, um, yet you know, we're locked away um, in hiding. And, you know, uh, you know, I think about stuff like, um, I don't know, Umbrella Academy, um, other works that have, uh, you know, created this team that has a history that we're supposed to fill in the blanks of the history. You know, we can assume that this is what it looks like when the JSA or the JLA is, is you know, 15 or 30 years into their into their life together, and they're already sort of wizened and um, and uh, you know themselves disenchanted with the entire experience of being a superhero team and being um, world savers. And now, how do you carry on? Not in the initial thrill of who you are, but in the the memory of who you were and the grandeur that you once lived. 
and um, and you can see that they're dealing with it in different ways and they're approaching um, now a significant time marker I guess it's been 10 years and so here henceforth uh, I'm gonna let me say this I say a few things about this first and then I'll get into the spoilers but I, I think that um, the the questions being raised now are are to me what is Lemire what are what are Lemire and Ormston commenting about the 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 mythos of the golden age superhero does them being hidden away for whatever cause that there is um, does that mean that um, there is some set of values or some virtues that have to now be uh, suppressed have to now be you know shunted off into the farm <laughs> so to speak um, or now are we going to find out that there was some conflict or some uh, happening, and I won't give away anything about what the book reveals in this first issue. But was there some happening that um, instigates their um, their secrecy, instigates their having to to run off and hide, and that secret, you know, reveals some hypocrisy or some some failure of that golden age set of values or that myth that um, you know that proliferated among these millions of publishers that's a bit of an exaggeration but these many publishers of of superhero characters um and you know one thing that's intriguing and and i don't think this gives too much away before we talk about spoilers is that black hammer is the character who's missing on the team uh and he is one of these characters who is black because he's black (laughs) apparently he's the black superhero um like black panther or like uh black manta or whoever who uh has to has his blackness marked by being the black superhero and somehow he's the one who's who's not here and so um and so is there a, a an aspect of the the racial history or the history of those peoples who are somehow excluded that winds up um being part of this team's story um all right i think what's fascinating to me is to see what lemire ormston and company create out of this story and this is only the first issue so there's obviously a lot more to be revealed but um it's a familiar mixture of superhero archetypes right but and and then a, a familiar trope of the golden age um heroes having to find an existence after the period of their of their dominance but then the question to me is then what is the commentary that you have you know creators who have kind of grown up in a time not not grown up in the time of these heroes not grown up in the time after these heroes but in the time after the time after these heroes you know what what do we make of that um yeah all right so I have a few more things to say that are kind of related to what's revealed. So if you don't want to be spoiled on the book, uh, it's only really the first issue, but if you don't want to be spoiled on the book, you can stop here. Thanks for joining and uh, apologies for the late post. Uh, But for those of you who have caught the end of the book, I guess I want to say that the ending to me is very interesting because what we see is that the, um, you know, it's been a decade since whatever, um, whatever cataclysmic event and we find out that that you know these characters are much forgotten in the public eye and yet there's somebody a journalist it seems who is um at the global planet (laughs) which is really funny uh it's a funny tautology that's sort of like the uh daily planet and, and stuff like that but anyway you have this um journalist who is apparently the daughter of joseph weber the black hammer the hero of the streets and she is um, dead set on finding out 
what happened to them. And of course, that's a secret that they that the the heroes who are remaining and in in hiding hold among each other and and, and are really trying to celebrate here 10 years from whatever self-sacrificial act the Black Hammer did to save them and and to make it possible for them to continue to survive. Right. And um, and you wonder a little bit if 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 Lemire is playing with this this often, you know, often trope of the, the the minority hero in whatever sense being the sacrificial lamb which is on one hand you know a kind of martyrdom and on another hand a convenient way that it, it winds up that the the non-eternal <laughs> sort of uh, mr incredible you know um uh symbol of of benevolent patriarchy <laughs> winds up lasting always returning you know Captain America gets to be the Falcon for a little bit, or Fal- the Falcon gets to be Captain America, but Steve Rogers is always still hanging around, um, and uh, you know Thor is going to be Jane Foster for a little bit, but uh, we all know that even the unworthy Thor is still hanging around and coming back soon, and so is Black Hammer somehow the sacrificial lamb, and is there going to be a comment on that? Um, and I think uh, also this character, this journalist grandchild herself is fascinating. And I, I, I mean, I wonder a lot about this, um, this device because um, we've seen it now. It's the shock value of that last page of uh, volume one of Southern Bastards. Apologies if I'm spoiling that for somebody who hasn't read it yet, right? Where you find out that um, the one we thought was going to be the hero, the Earl Tubbs character in... Uh, in Southern Bastards Volume 1 has a daughter, you know, a military daughter who's a black woman who uh, is coming back. And as we've seen in the in the end of, well, I don't want to, let me stop spoiling Southern Bastards for anybody who hasn't read it. If, and if you haven't, go read it. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> stop listening to me and go read Southern Bastards because it just won an Eisner for Best Continuing Series. I should touch on those Eisner picks. I was way off on many of them also way on and if you didn't listen to that that was from uh, i think wednesday i made my eisner picks um and the winners were revealed last night so um yeah so i mean i'm intrigued um in the same way that i was intrigued with um southern bastards with the reveal of this character who i think is really important because when you go back and do this golden age hero glance you need somebody to be your um your uh, sort of avatar you need somebody to see through the lenses of who is modern so that this isn't all just um you know glorifying nostalgia or disillusionment and disenchantment you need somebody through whose eyes you view these characters and i think we are meant to see this um young woman in pursuit of what happened to her father and to the other golden age heroes as a kind of um a look over the shoulder character um, at least that's my my impulse and my reaction. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, look, Jeff Lemire uh, is is a, a white man, but he is choosing as the character through whom we're gonna pursue this history, a black woman. Um, when we do see her face, there's a a look of determination in her eyes, and and there's a lot I think to say about that. Uh, a lot of how we view uh, what we assume to be the the sort of dominant superheroics of the past, uh, and how that's meant to be seen through the um, the eyes of uh, you know a very different assumption about who we are in the present, um, better symbolized perhaps by or better represented perhaps by a, a 
a young black woman journalist than um, than an old white man. Um, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Uh, finally, I just got a comment on um, the small town and the dynamics of the small town that we find out about. You know, we meet a priest, for instance, um, Father Quinn, who is getting to know the characters and who um, represents something. You know, we kind of meet the uh, the diner, you know, the waitress at the diner and her her um, husband, the sheriff, and uh, there's some some back history and conflict there that's uh again maybe um different aspects of an older of a of a bygone time and the ways that they are um you know gritting their teeth in reaction to 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 each other um yeah so uh i I mean overall my assessment of the book um it's very interesting and it raises very interesting questions about which i cannot wait to see what um, Lemire and Ormston had to say. Um, as you know, I often do, unfortunately, I've neglected till the end to talk about the art. Um, and uh, that sucks because Ormston does a really good job of, hmm, let me just say, I guess when you're telling this kind of story, I do think that there's a, something given off by the, the aesthetics of the artist. And um, I think if you're a, a writer writing this kind of story, you know, you, you, you you really sort of want to be circumspect about what messages the art gives off. There's something to Ormston's style that um, reminds me a bit of Ba and Moon and of Mignola uh, in the sense that there is a, a, um, let's see, a, a way of kind of populating the panels with dark and with light, with, um, you know, drawing with a certain kind of line that... Um, to me can somehow exist in the past represent a kind of fantasy and yet um, there's a certain concrete quality to it that um, grounds it in the present and grounds it in our our contemporary sense of the reality of things I I guess here's what I mean in the 40s artists had less technique available to them to represent say a wooden shelf or a stone cemetery plot with the kind of um, symbology of realism that we now have you know, at, at our disposal. We have, I don't have, but artists have at their disposal. It was harder for them to represent that this was a wood counter and that this was a stone cemetery plot. And part of it has to do with the colors that were available to them. This is Dave Stewart on colors, and of course he's magical. But, um, but you know, you just actually even look at some of the, the panels in this that show the Golden Age heroes in the Golden Age, and there's um, a kind of hyper um, colorization to them. You know, everything is sort of, um, you know, magentas that don't exist in real life. Almost Kirby-esque um, art that shows that, that makes it seem so clearly a throwback. But if you look at the modern setting um, and some of the colors there, there's again a sense of realism, a sense of not that this is how it appears, but this is how it appears in a certain light so that you get a sense of the, um, the material and the, the fabric or the, the grungy metal or whatever. And I think um, the style of an artist like Ormston, uh, like an artist like Mignola, like an artist, um, artists like Ba and Moon, are able to have an impressionism that um, reeks of the the 40s and yet um, a kind of composition and a kind of like I said referencing of realism that um, 
you know, works well in, say, a horror or science fiction genre, and, and yet also has a sense of a contemporary reality. And, uh, and Ormston does that really well. I think his style fits really well. I think it's even suggestive of what kind of uh, throwback to Golden Age story this will be. So, um, yeah. Um, Black Hammer number one from Dark Horse, uh, written by Lemire, um, art by Ormston, Dean Ormston, colors by Dave Stewart. Check it out. Um, today is actually Saturday. This was our Friday find. I think I'm going to have to skip the Saturday Super Friend. And the Sunday Scholar will have to see whether there's time for just a lot going on in my life. Um, the Paul list is going to continue until August 5th or so. And I think then I'm going to take a, um, a longer term hiatus. I'll be, meanwhile, stockpiling things that I want to talk about, but uh, there'll be some vacation with my family that will keep me from posting, I think, regularly. I may check in now and then. In the meanwhile, uh, would love a a rate and review on iTunes. I don't think anybody's done that yet. Um, Would love if you like an episode that you, you know, reach out and let me know or let people know on social media. I was just looking at some websites about how to publicize your podcast, and I was like, I can't do any of those things. So I'm not necessarily relying on you, oh, three listeners out there to publicize uh, so much as just saying I'm grateful and uh, maybe this will be a slow pickup maybe this will continue or not continue and uh, so it means a lot to me when you do reach out and let me know that you're listening all right well um, hey look comics keep us not only fascinated but I think they keep us imaginatively lively and in these times that's um, that's crucial let's stay awake let's stay alive let's stay alert let's keep reading all right thanks